Gospel of Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Matthew chapter 22, verse 2, the kingdom, of, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage." But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm and other to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and, and treated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore to the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the kings came to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou? in hither, not having a wedding garment, and he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Let us pray. We thank thee, our heavenly Father, for our great Savior, thy great mercy, thy great grace, Thy kindness and mercy and long suffering is toward us, uh, the many blessings you've bestowed upon us for the right that we have to come before thy throne of grace. We ask that you would open our eyes and ears now, help us to understand and profit by the truths of thy word, grant me the words to speak and the ability to speak. Help us to worship thee in spirit and in truth. We pray for our pastor and his family. Keep your protective hands upon him. Is there a way? Bless the meeting up there in Kentucky. We pray for our loved ones that are not in our midst that you be pleased to keep your protective hands upon them and grant repentance to them that are lost. We pray for a country that you have mercy upon it and grant us leaders that fear and honor thee, we pray. Guide us in our endeavors to serve thee, we pray. And guide us to help us to worship thee by lifting up the name of thy Son above every name and honor thee in doing so. For it's in Christ's name through the power of the Holy Spirit we ask and amen. Many topics have been derived from this passage. What this one is out of place. A man here was speechless. He didn't. He he thought he would show up, but he did not have on a wedding garment. The wedding garment here points to, in my opinion, the imputed. shed blood of Christ the imputed works of Christ and only God can grant that from what I understand in the days of old in those eastern weddings it wasn't anything unusual for the father to 
grant garments to all the guests. If you'll study back in the account of Samson, that was, that's actually one of the topics. When he put forth a riddle, he would give them so many changes of garments. That's what I believe it was alluding to there. Anyway, this man would not wear one of the prescribed garments. And in to enter heaven, you must have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ or none will see heaven. Have you ever felt out of place? I think most of you probably have. This man felt severely out of place, I'm quite sure. School kids, I remember growing up on their one school sometimes you get on the wrong school bus. It wasn't anything unusual. It'd be quite a traumatic experience for a little child. This self-willed man that we're reading of was offered a garment that could only be provided by the Almighty and turned it down. Needless to say, he was very out of place. In our Christian experience in Christian life, it's a life of being out of place in this world. We read in the book of First Samuel about Goliath being from a place known as Gath. David, at a later time, when he was fleeing from Saul, sought refuge in that same place of Gath out of place in the book of Ruth I'll read a few excerpts here and there in the book of Ruth it's over in I think it's right after the book of Judges Joshua Judges then you have Ruth tells us in now it came to pass in the days of the judges, when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went out, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons, and the name of the man was Elimelech. Long story short, both he, uh, he and both his sons died there in the land of Moab out of place. It's a known fact that the Jews of today, they have this thing that they want to go back to their homeland. Well, that's understandable. What they do is they put a handful of soil in their coffins from Israel. Looking back to the land of, as they call it, their nativity. They feel out of place being away from it. King Saul resorted to a witch at Endor. We've looked at these things times before. He was out of place. The king of the Lord's people being in the house of a witch? David, as I mentioned, 1 Samuel 28. David, as I said, sought refuge there in the land of Gath. That's where the, the giant was from. Uh, that's, that's not the passage of 24. 1 Samuel 28 speaking about Saul going to the witch at Endor. 
There's others we read in Scripture and other accounts of people being out of place. For example, when David was up on the rooftop looking down at Bathsheba, he was supposed to be out fighting the wars of the Lord. And we know what happened there. Well, God made a covenant with Abraham, which was with the children of Israel, that tied them to their land. Their land was a big part of them, I guess would be the best way to put it. Leviticus 26, and there's other places that speak about it. Leviticus 26, 32. <clears throat> talks this is what god said he would do to the land if they disobeyed and i will bring the land into desolation and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it and i will scatter you among the heathen took them out of their land they did they they abused it verse 39 well, verse 38, And you shall perish among the heathen, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And they that are left of you shall pine away in their inequity in your enemy's land. And also in, in the inequities of your fathers shall they pine away with him. But he also said, If they shall confess their inequity and the inequity of their fathers with their trespasses that they trespass against me, that also they have walked contrary to me and that I also have walked contrary to them and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled and they accept the punishment of their inequity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and also my covenant with Isaac. They were tied to that land. Jeremiah chapter... 27 and I think it's actually in the book of Deuteronomy but that the promises are contingent with their being in the land I said Jeremiah 27 Jeremiah 27 9 therefore therefore hearken not to your prophets nor your diviners nor your dreamers nor your enchanters nor your sorcerers which speak unto you saying ye shall not serve the king of Babylon they went to Babylon matter of fact it's in the Psalms I'm not sure which one it is by the rivers of Babylon there's actually a song about it where we wept they were carried away captive because they sinned against God and he drove them out of the land the Jews have not had the blessings that was promised them for obedience because they've disobeyed. In the book of Deuteronomy, we'll look at chapter 30, verse 9. I'm just going at various passages to show that there are 
the covenant was with them and their land. Deuteronomy 30 and 9. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thy hand and in the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good as he rejoiced over thy fathers. That's if they, they obeyed. Verse 16. In that day I command thee this day, and in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God and walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. You can't get away from the Jews being tied to their land. Chapter 32, verse 46, the same book of Deuteronomy. And he said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do all the words of the law. For it is not a vain thing for you, because it is your life. When Christ came, as we read there in John 6, he perceived that they had taken him by force to be king. He hid himself. He would not take the kingdom. One would say, why not? It was his chance. He will take it from the Father's hand and none else. In the, the Gospel of John, no, I'm in the wrong book. The Gospel, the Gospel of John, the eighth chapter. Verse 23, he said unto them, Ye are from beneath. This is the scribes and the Pharisees. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. He made it plain that the prince of this world that ruled over it at that time was the wicked one. And the hour has come that the Son of Man, when he said the Son of Man should be glorified, the wicked one came and had nothing in him. But then we read in, the, in our studies of Revelation and end times in Revelation chapter 11, the kingdoms of this world, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. He have no part of the wicked world as it is right now. And he's going to rule and reign with a rod of iron, we know from the book of Psalms, the second chapter. He's separate from sin. And in the things of God, everything is very orderly and not out of place. He's, God is not the author of confusion. But at that proper time, it's actually mentioned in the book of Ezekiel we've looked at before, 
the diadem, the, the kingship, belongs to one, but he's going to take it at that set time. Thus saith the Lord, Remove the diadem and take off the crown. This shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low and abase him that is high. I will overturn, overturn, overturn it, and it shall be no more until he comes whose right it is, and I will give it him. He's the creator of the world. Right now, the world's in the hands of the wicked one that we know quite well. Well, when Israel left Egypt, in the book of, read in the book of Deuteronomy, that they were to go on into the promised land, and we know what happened. They didn't, wouldn't take it. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 5, on this side, Jordan, in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare this law, saying, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough in this mountain. That's basically saying this mountain is not your home. This is what we glean from this. Don't get too caught up in the things of the world. They're very temporary. This place is not our home. Abraham and Isaac, Jacob dwelt in tents we read of in the book of Hebrews, 11th chapter. Elijah fled from Jezebel in the days of Ahab and Jezebel. He fled to Horeb. That's where Moses got the law. What did he expect to hear there? I don't know what he expected, but what he heard was, Why, what dost thou hear Elijah, that's in 1 Kings 19. This is not your home. You can see in the, the typology there, salvation is not of the law. Reading posts, various posts on Facebook, one had the typical proverbial cat smiling, they were actually frowning underneath it said this is the way you, you feel when you read the context of second chronicles 6 in context we all often hear second chronicles chapter 27 chapter 6 verse 27 then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of this thy servants and of thy people Israel, when thou hast taught them in the good and right way. My people that are called by my name, as we often call this passage. If you read it in context, that promise was for Israel in their land and their temple. When heaven is shut up, verse 26, and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel, 
when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon them which thou hast given unto the people for an inheritance he goes on teaches the same the prayer of what supplication whatsoever shall be made of any man or of all thy people Israel over and over again we read this is Israel what I'm saying is reading this in the context this, if my people were to call by my name humble themselves that's promises made to Israel and it's narrowed down to their land as they say in their temple then hear, there, hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and render unto every man according to all his ways whose heart thou knowest for thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men What has the Lord promised to Israel? Well, the whole Old Testament. I mean, we've been just skipping over places at random, reading various promises. What has he promised to the other lands? Over in Jeremiah chapter 30, which we read what he's promised to other lands. I mean, that passage in Second Chronicles sounds good, but strictly speaking, it's to, to the people of Israel. Jeremiah 30, verse 11. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee, though thou make a full end of all nations, whether I have scattered thee. Yet will I not make a full end of thee, but will correct thee in measure, and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. I will make a full end of all nations where they have scattered you. That's what he's promised to the other lands. We need to be careful when we read Scripture. Who's it talking to? What's the terms and conditions? Is it for us or is it for another? Interpretation one, application many, as some call it. We read about getting back to the idea of people being out of place. Joseph was stolen away. We know what happened with Joseph, sold into slavery. I'm sure he felt quite out of place. And of course, Christ, as we've already read, is not of this world. I mentioned a while ago, the Psalms is actually Psalm 137 where they get the words to, by the rivers of Babylon. They said Bobby Lon. Psalms 137, verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept. We remembered Zion. We hanged our hearts upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they carried us away captive. They that carried us away captive required of us a song that they and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let thy right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. 
do we feel out of place with the anti-God crowd? Who, who do we feel comfortable around? We need to ask ourselves that. Do we feel out of place around the wicked? The things that the Lord's entrusted us with, do we take care of them? We need to. Sometimes we need to be reminded what we have so we don't lose it. They had to lose the land of Zion in order to appreciate it. That's exactly what we're talking about. As I said, Christ owned the world by right of creation, but showed no inter no interest, no ownership. Actually, at least during his first advent, this things of the world are very fleeting. Here today and gone later today. Open the book of Colossians. Chapter 2, verse 20. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? I remember Milburn one time preaching, the things of this world should be make about as much appreciation to us is a magazine lying up on a desk somewhere. None whatsoever is what I'm saying. What do we get in all these things? Well, we need, first of all, we need to guard against the evils of sin. Always be on guard against the evils of sin. Always be watching because there's wicked forces out there trying to lead us into sin. Because the time and the sacrifice and the cost that it takes to cleanse sin is exceeding great. We need to guard against covetousness, not be too tied up with the things of the world because they're only temporary. Back to the book of Matthew the 22nd and then Matthew the 22nd chapter we read in verse 10 that both bad and good were brought in and made to partake of this wedding feast what we see here is God saves sinners. Amen to that. Bad and good. Christ came to save sinners. Like I say, we need to be always aware of the dangers and troubles of sin just one little sin. I mean, all the things we've read about in Scripture as far as judgment and the things coming upon the world, the trials, are all effects of just one sin. Covetousness is perhaps the greatest sin because it's out of this desire for something that's not ours it brings us to sin. 
Now, we read back there about the land of Israel being tied with the people. They were to make their sacrifices in Jerusalem. That was the Old Testament law. Basically, what that would give you is the the Lord with his people in one place. Do we not all like to be around our families whenever we get a chance to be? I mean, I feel out of place in the world with the exception of when I'm at home and when I'm at the Lord's house. In the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter, Verse 22, And the glory which thou hast given me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. The Father's desire is to be together with his people, his kingdom, his son. I mean, I can can certainly understand that. We all cherish time with our family members. In a similar sense, in closing, Christ, after he rose from the tomb, only revealed himself to his sheep. We don't read of him going through the city markets preaching the gospel. He may have, but we don't read about it. He could have proved himself to the enemy, those that rejected him. Would they have accepted him? No, they would not have. They seen his miracles and his power and his authority, and they still crucified him. He healed, brought Lazarus back from the grave. They wanted to kill Lazarus also. Christ reveals himself to his own. That's in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, I believe. I'll find it here in a minute. Verse 22 of Luke chapter 10. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father. And who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. How's he revealed to us? By faith. That great passage over there in the book of Ephesians. 
Blessed be the God of and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Here in another sense, we're tied with Christ. We're his sheep, the sheep of his pastor. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, ye might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. God and his people are one. Apart from that, we're out of place.